providing you with health information and guests to elevate your health and life and help make your life better in 30 minutes or less. This is the Frontline Health Podcast. Welcome to the Frontline Health Podcast by Centurion. We're excited about this opportunity to share some of our knowledge with you. Centurion is a pharmaceutical company that chooses to put people over profits and allows science to dictate what products we bring to market, whether they're supplements, over-the-counter, or prescription products. Our goal is to provide products that you can both afford and are beneficial to your health. Because it doesn't matter how good a product is if you can't afford it. The Frontline Health Podcast will provide you with the best health information possible through sharing studies and current data that we come across, as well as interviewing some of the leading health practitioners from across the country in hopes to shed light on different health issues in 30 minutes or less. This podcast will take you through the side of the story that you may not have heard before, but our promise to you is to source all the information that we share with you and to speak the truth. We're hopeful that this truth is something that will be used by you and your loved ones to elevate your health and life. Now that you know a little about us and our goal for this podcast, let's get started. If you're on a mission to take ownership of your health, then you'll want to stay tuned for this edition of Frontline Health by CenturionLabs.com because we're going to be discussing vitamin B12, aka cabalamin, in the many ways it affects your body. Thanks for joining us today on Frontline Health as we dive into another crucial nutrient and one that fits into our recent discussions of MTHFR and folate. That's vitamin B12. What do the following scenarios have in common? A two-year-old who exhibits severe developmental delay and is diagnosed with autism. A 20-year-old woman who becomes severely depressed and attempts to kill herself. A young couple that are told they're unable to get pregnant. A 35-year-old man that starts wetting himself and who can no longer walk steady or grip with his hands. A healthy woman in her 30s who underwent cosmetic surgery and ended up nearly unable to walk. A grandfather who in three months goes from a healthy, consistent runner to a depressed and confused and is diagnosed with senile dementia. An 80-year-old man that develops balance problems, falls and fractures his hips. And another elderly man that fell multiple times and was diagnosed with many strokes. All of those cases were misdiagnosed. And they saw improvement when they discovered that they had a B12 deficiency. And they began to treat them accordingly. And hopefully those cases that we just discussed will open your eyes to the need and the importance of vitamin B12. But let's take a look into why this nutrient is so important. Vitamin B12 is often seen as kind of the little brother to folate, but I really think it's more like one of the Marvel superheroes. And what I mean is it's incredibly power by itself and can do a lot of things, but it creates an even more powerful force if it combines itself with some of those other superpower nutrients like folate. 
Vitamin B12 doesn't seem to get the fanfare or the headlines that folate and some of the others do, but believe me, if cabalamin decided not to be a part of the show in our bodies, as we heard a minute ago, it could have a detrimental impact on our health and could even lead to our death. However, here is the big rub within the medical community when in regards to vitamin B12. Vitamin B12 deficiencies, like all villains, often mimic other diseases, which has led many, as we discussed earlier, to be misdiagnosed by their physicians. In addition, as we discussed in a previous podcast, taking or eating folic acid can make practitioners miss a B12 deficiency in their patients because folic acid actually makes those tests appear normal, even though there may be a B12 deficiency. So since that B12 deficiency can be masked and appear normal in test results, practitioners can't often tell if you're low in B12 just by your symptoms. So they have to do specific tests for things. And I'm sure you're asking yourself, well, what does that mean for me? Because we have a little bit of the, we all have a little bit of that, that's great to know, but it'll never happen to me mentality. So let's take a look at some of the facts in regards to B12 deficiency. There was a study out of Tufts University that did an analysis of patients and found that nearly 40% of the participants in the study between the ages of 26 and 83 had plasma levels of B12 in the low to normal range or the low normal range, which is a range that you can begin to start seeing symptoms from B12 deficiency. Another 16% of those participants in that study were considered nearly deficient, and 9% were deficient as a whole. Other studies have actually suggested that the number of B12 deficient individuals are up to 26% of the population. Again, a sizable number of people in the population who suffer from B12 deficiency. If you happen to be vegan or vegetarian, those numbers are exponentially higher. Studies have shown that over 80% of vegans who didn't supplement with B12 had a B12 deficiency, and over 50% of vegetarians showed a deficiency in their levels as well. We'll discuss some ways later in this podcast to test your B12 levels, but I think it's really beneficial now to step back and understand a little bit more about what B12 does in our body. Cabalamin is responsible for several functions within the body, but the most vital functions it's involved in for us, really, I think, are the development of red blood cells and proper functioning of the nervous system. It's also been shown to be a component and crucial component of the methionine or the methylation cycle where it works alongside folate, which we kind of already discussed a little bit. Vitamin B12 is also important in building those neurotransmitters to help regulate our mood, gene regulation, it helps with cell energy, growth and muscle development, which is why it's also been linked to if there's a deficiency of vitamin B12 during pregnancy, it's been linked to reduced birth weights in pregnancy. So what do we need to do to make sure we're getting B12? I think first, let's take a look at the forms of B12 that are available and which ones would be most beneficial to our health. 
there are three natural forms of B12 that we know of, uh, and they've all been shown to improve our B12 status when we uh, take them through supplement or through diet. Those are methylcobalamin, adenosylcobalamin, and hydroxylcobalamin. Those three forms are bioidentical, which basically means that it's seen in the human bodies and in animal foods. But B12 is seen most in supplements in the form of cyanocobalamin, which is similar to folic acid in the sense that it's a synthetic form of B12, and it's the form that's typically used for food fortification and supplementation. It has some downsides to it, and I think they're pretty hefty downsides. The first is it has a potential to be toxic because it tends to break down to a precursor to cyanide. So again, it can be poison to your body. And it seems to affect those people who smoke the most and breaks down to that form the most in people who smoke. In addition, it's been shown recently that cyanocobalamin actually builds up in cells without any benefit. They haven't really uh, isolated whether that is a problem for individuals or not, like they have with folate. We know that, uh, in folic acid, excuse me, we know that unmetabolized folic acid is detrimental to our health, but we're not quite sure yet what the result of having unmetabolized cyanocobalamin flowing through our veins is. It has a much poorer bioavailability, meaning that we can't absorb it very well, and it takes the much-needed methyl groups that we want our body to have in order to help increase our methylation from areas that we need it and helps bring that in to break down cyanocobalamin into a form our bodies can use. So it actually creates a crisis in methylation where B12, if you have the right forms, is instrumental in helping methylation and increasing our health. So finally, it's also unable to be broken down in individuals that may have some genetic genetic mutation, such as MTR or MTRR. Both of those ge genetic mutations have shown the inability to break down cyanocobalamin into a form that our body can use, much like MTHFR in relation to folic acid. So what form is the best for us to take? Studies actually recommend supplementing patients with one of the three bioidentical forms of B12 over cyanocobalamin because of the many reasons we just talked about regarding cyanocobalamin. But we also know that these are more effective in raising our B12 status. So we're trying to get our B12 levels up, and we know that methylcobalamin, adenosylcobalamin, and hydroxylcobalamin help increase our B12 levels much quicker and more effectively than cyanocobalamin. The difference is they're going to cost a little bit more. So that's why it's typically in supplements and it's cyanocobalamin is typically in supplements and it's typically in uh, fortified foods. Further, some of these studies recommend for patients who have polymorphisms uh, to supplement those polymorphisms being the MTR and the MTRR to actually supplement with more than one type of B12. One study suggests methylcobalamin and adenosylcobalamin be taken together at at least 500 micrograms each. 
which they feel like showed more effect and allowed those patients to get a quicker uptake in their B12 levels um, than those who actually received shots intramuscularly. So now that we've kind of gone over some of the, the issues that can happen from having low B12 levels, we've gone over what cabalamin does within our body, and we've gone over the three forms. I think it's probably important to know what risk factors there are and who might be at risk for B12 deficiencies. Some of these we've already discussed, like being a vegetarian or a vegan. We know that those those individuals are not getting the B12 that they need in their diet, so they're going to have to supplement. We know that people over the age of 60, if you've had a recent fall within the past year, that can always be a sign. And we know that there are certain uh, conditions that maybe if you have a family history of pernicious anemia, which is the inability to produce red blood cells because you have a B12 deficiency already, or if there are thyroid disorders in your family. We know that there are certain medications that can affect your B12 levels, such as proton pump inhibitors and metformin. Nitric, nitrous oxide, what you use laughing gas when you go in under surgery. We know that there are certain um, people who are on chemotherapy or radiation. They can have B12 um, be depleted from their body during that. And we also know that folic acid therapy can be a sign that maybe you have some B12 issues going on. In addition, we know that if you're pregnant, breastfeeding, or there's infertility in your history, those things can point towards some issue within B12 because pregnancy and breastfeeding deplete your B12 levels and infertility is just a sign that you may have B12 deficiencies going on. If you've got fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome, all those can be symptoms or signs that, hey, maybe my B12 level is low. So if we have those and we begin to think this is something we need to do, then it may be a good step to go after some tests. Go to your practitioner and ask them to run some tests on your B12 levels. But what are the tests that you're going to want to take? I think there are four tests in particular that I would look at, and it's all through blood for the most part. And the first would be your serum B12 level. That's actually going to test how much B12 is in your blood, which as we've heard before on other podcasts and about other products like folic acid, we know that just because you have a lot of folate in your blood does not necessarily mean that it's going to the right place. So we're going to want to make sure that A, we're just ruling it out. And that's all that that serum B12 level does is rule out the fact that, hey, if it's totally low, then we know that that's the number one thing. It's easy to get, and it's a a marker to look at. The other tests are really looking at symptoms in your blood that may indicate B12 being low. Those would be your methylmalonic acid test. So they're looking to see if methylmalonic acid is increased in your blood levels versus your B12. We know that the higher methylmalonic acid is, the lower your B12 rate is. We're also going to look at homocysteine levels or test for your homocysteine levels. So if we're looking at homocysteine, we know that increased homocysteine levels can be an indicator that maybe your B12 levels are low. 
The final test that I would recommend getting is the holotranscobalamin 2 test. This test is actually going to look to see how much active form of B12 is in your blood by testing certain proteins that we know B12 attaches to. So now that we've assessed our symptoms and possibly taken the test to know whether we're B12 deficient or not, what do we do? The answer really is the same regardless of whether you've taken those tests and confirmed your suspicions or you're certain based on your symptoms. It starts with your diet. As always, the best way to get our nutrients is through our diet. However, if we can't, then supplementation with natural forms are the next best thing. When you're talking about diet, it really starts with three great sources of B12, beef, tuna, and eggs. So meat is one of those major components of where B12 comes into our bodies. But if you're a vegan or you're vegetarian, or you've looked at any of the prices recently, we know that that can get pretty expensive and it kind of limits our options. In those cases, we have to rely on supplementation. So what we need to do is start taking a look at our labels, just like we did with folic acid, on the labels of our foods and supplements to see how much of the synthetic form, cyanocobalamin, that you're taking in each day, and look to replace them with a better diet and also with quality supplements that contain methylcobalamin and or adenosylcobalamin. Taking these steps will get you one step closer to your goal of taking ownership of your health. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Frontline Health by CenturionLabs.com. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Frontline Health Podcast by Centurion, where our desire is to elevate your health and life. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and be sure to pass it along to someone else who would benefit from this podcast. We would love to hear any feedback or questions you may have by emailing us at admin at centurionlabs.com. Until next time, remember, you are your best health advocate. So go take ownership of your health today.